0: Hi, I'm Abby, and you're listening to the Fitness Drifter podcast, a body confidence podcast for men, where I try to help you shift away from stressing about things like weight, body image, abs, and dieting, to focusing on feeling fitter, healthier, and happier, and using nutrition and exercise as a positive force in your life. Today, we're talking about a topic that's pretty personal to me, and that is cosmetic surgery or cosmetic procedures in men. And the reason it's personal to me is that in March, 2022, so at the date of recording about three months ago, I had a procedure to remove the loose skin from my chest and from abdomen after my previous weight loss. It's something I wanted to get done for years. And I'm really, really glad I did. You know, in researching this topic, it's been difficult to find accurate studies and accurate statistics. If you search Google, you get loads of ads, you get. horror stories you get to see before and afters but in terms of actual statistics uh, it's been a little bit trickier to find something that's accurate i did however find some stats from the bbc website and also from the website for the british association of aesthetic plastic surgeons so i'm just going to run through some of those bear in mind as well that this is being recorded in 2022 between 2020 and 2022 we of course had a lot of lockdowns and the pandemic of course and so First of all, number of procedures will have been skewed by that because we did have lockdowns. And then also the amount of time we spent staring at ourselves because of Zoom calls or other video conferencing, that's going to have increased dramatically. So we've all become a little bit more self-conscious of how we look on camera. Anyway, these are the stats that I found. In 2016, around 50,000 people underwent cosmetic surgery privately in the UK. That's people, so not just men. In 2021, and possibly as a result of us all looking at ourselves and webcams a lot more the british association of aesthetic plastic surgeons said they saw you know one third of members saw an increase in inquiries for men a 2020 article by the washington post says that demand for men's surgery in the us has tripled over the last 20 years recent stats of course will be a bit skewed by covid but here's what i found from the british association of aesthetic plastic surgeons and that is the last time i'm actually going to try and pronounce that in this episode so Men made up 8% of cosmetic surgery procedures in the UK in 2020. The six most common ones were rhinoplasty, which is for the nose, of which there are 413 cases. blepharoplasty I'm not going to pronounce that right, but eyelid surgery, which is 318. Autoplasty, which is ears, 278. Breast reduction, 191. Liposuction, 149. And abdominoplasty or tummy tuck, 112. I thought it would be a bit higher, to be honest, but it's 2020 and there are obviously other things happening. And it's also worth bearing in mind that is 8% of all cosmetic surgeries in what is a very, in what is an area that is very heavily skewed towards women. I don't know if skewed towards is the right word, but that it's a much more female focused area. It's also worth bearing in mind, this doesn't include non-surgical procedures like Botox, for example. And as far as I can tell, these stats don't include hair procedures like a hair transplant, for example. So... I think in men, that's probably going to be the most common cosmetic procedure, but I couldn't find any specific stats on that from the British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons, and I had to pronounce that again. I should have really just abbreviated that. Anyways, but in terms of hair transplants from the International Society of Hair Restoration, I found that around 700,000 hair transplant procedures were performed globally in 2021. And like I said, I didn't have any stats to back me up on this, but I suspect it's going to be the most common male procedure in the UK. What's also worth bearing in mind is when we're looking at stats in the UK, that doesn't factor in the fact that a lot of people do opt for having procedures overseas because it can be cheaper. And especially as travel restrictions ease, that became more lucrative and a bit more appealing. So why are more men looking at cosmetic procedures or looking at plastic surgery? And I think if we look at it, there's a few things to consider. Number one is I think generally a lot of people are more conscious of body image. We have more people to compare ourselves to. We spend more time on social media. We see people through filtered and edited lenses. And it does skew our perception of where we are compared to them. So that makes us a lot more self-conscious. The media has had an impact as well. Lockdowns, staring at ourselves on camera definitely contributes as well. But also, I mean, that kind of makes it sound, you know, those are all kind of more negative insinuations. But there is a flip side, which is a bit more positive as well with the internet. Information is more accessible. So it's easier to find out about procedures. There's not as much of a stigma, or if you feel self-conscious about finding out about a cosmetic procedure, you can do it without needing to tell anyone else. It's not stigmatized as much anyways. It's not as much of a taboo around it for men anymore. It's still very heavily female skewed, but it's not as unheard of as it may have been 20, 30 years ago. So it's easier to get information and it's more accessible. So I think that's a couple of things combined. One is that we are more aware of body image and more self-conscious. And the other is that information is more accessible. So I mentioned that I had a procedure in March, 2022. I'm just going to share a little bit about my experience. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I am actually going to be talking about that one in my next episode. So March, 2022, I had around two kilograms of skin removed from my chest and my abdomen, the procedures I had. So for the abdomen was called a fleur de abdominoplasty, which is where they cut across the waistline and then up the middle of the abdomen and then just trim out the excess skin. I didn't have any liposuction. Although if you are looking at a tummy tuck or abdominoplasty, depending on your body fat percentage, a surgeon might recommend some liposuction as well, just to enhance the results you get. And then for the skin removal from my chest, I had the same procedure as what would effectively be a gynecomastia procedure or male breast reduction. My surgeon was pretty clear in wording it in a way of saying that that's a procedure I was having, but technically that's not what my body condition was like. I didn't really have breast tissue. It was just. The skin was hanging there in that same spot so as part of that whole thing i basically have a new belly button because it had to be reconstructed and my nipples had to be grafted back on to the place where they should be my experience was very smooth i was very fortunate and i'm very grateful for having gone through it i had a great surgeon crystal clear communication zero pressure sales everything went smoothly there were no complications and i was treated extremely well across the board from my initial inquiry all the way through to the post-operative care so i've been very happy so that that kind of sums up how it went. I'm just going to go into a little bit more detail now. So I've talked about weight loss in depth before, so I won't go too much on that, but losing 140 odd pounds did leave me with a lot of loose skin and it was causing issues to me mentally and physically. So functionally it was restricting my movement. I was trying to exercise and my stomach would get in the way. If I was lying chest down, so say I was doing an exercise that requires me to have my chest flat, I couldn't do that because I couldn't lie flat. And just the general issues around my own perception of my body image There's a lot to unpack in that, which I probably won't cover in this episode. But, so I knew it was affecting me and I was pretty sure since I lost the weight and that I'd have loose skin that I would want it removed, I couldn't get it done before. Kind of got to the range of my target weight around 10 or 11 years before I actually had the procedure done. And I couldn't have it done because either the cost or I couldn't take enough time off work or I couldn't plan around my recovery. And then early 2020, I started giving it some serious thought again. And then of course, COVID happened and just, there was no chance of that happening. I revisited the idea in the middle of 2021, contacted a few local hospitals. I used to work as a personal trainer at a chain of gyms called Nuffield Health, who also run private hospitals. So they were my first choice. When they replied, they gave me the list of the four surgeons that work at my local hospital. And it was up to me to arrange consultations with the ones I wanted to speak to, or the one that I wanted to actually have perform my procedure. I did my homework on all of them but there was one I picked up that I really liked. I contacted his clinic in September 2021, and the earliest appointment I could get for consultation was January 2022, and I would need two consultations or two initial consultations before they would go ahead with the procedure. First consultation would be making sure that I'm a fit for the procedure and just explaining it, and the second one was to clear any lingering doubts. But I was pretty sure I was going to go ahead with it before I made that consultation, and then from September to January, I had four months to kind of do as much homework as I wanted to, or as much homework as I felt I needed to, but I was pretty confident I was going to get it done anyways. I knew recovery would put me out of action physically for a good few weeks at least. So the issue is that I kind of felt like I was stuck in limbo for a few months and just focused on, in in terms of exercise, I kind of felt like I was just stuck in limbo and I was just focused on getting the surgery booked in and done. What also doesn't help is that I needed to make sure that For my consultations, I needed to avoid COVID, and this was at a time when the latest variant, the Omicron variant, was starting to peak, and I figured if I end up having to rebook, for example, that's going to give me an extra few months' wait on top of the four months I already was waiting. Anyways, like I said, I did my homework between September and January. I knew most things I needed to know before going in for the first consultation, and a lot of the stuff that the surgeon was telling me was stuff I kind of already knew or already read up on. But it was great when he examined my body, looked at my skin and talked about the recommended procedure, scar placement, what results might look like and how much tissue would be removed because that's very specific to me and my body and no Googling would ever really be able to tell me that or answer my questions around that. Between my first and second consultation, they gave me some possible dates and a quote for the procedures and I decided to go ahead with it. So that's kind of the gist of it. I'll talk about things to look out for if you're considering cosmetic surgery as well but the main things which for me made it an easy choice was that yes it's not a cheap procedure but the quotes i was given were within what i had budgeted for and to be honest it came in at the sort of lower end of the range i had budgeted for so that was you know, it made that decision that little bit easier they were very very the clinic and the surgeon were very very good at managing expectations so they talked about things like you're probably not going to have a perfectly symmetrical result you are going to have scars. Recovery is going to be tough. This is what the healing procedure is going to be like. This is a kind of all the stuff that you'll need to do as your aftercare. So they kind of were really, really good with being realistic in terms of what to expect. They never tried to sell or pressure me into going ahead with it. It was kind of weird because after the first consultation, they sent me the quotes a couple of days later, and then I've kind of made up my mind at that point and In my second consultation, the surgeon asked if I received the quotes and I said, yes, and this is that surgeon works at two hospitals. So I said, yes, and this is the hospital I'd prefer to go at. And uh, you know, I kind of left that consultation and that at no point did they even ask me, right, are you ready to go ahead? Should we take a deposit and get you booked in? What happened was I got told at that second consultation, you have all the information, if you have any more questions, let us know if you're ready to book it in. Call my secretary on this number and they'll take care of that side of things for you. So I was never in person. Like no one put any pressure on me at any point while I was there in person or even by email or by phone. It was very low pressure and it was no pressure basically. So that's, you know, it's from a kind of ethical point of view, that was also reassuring because I knew that I was the one that was initiating it. The surgeon's reputation was excellent. They were very regular and consistent with posting on Instagram. And that wasn't just before and after photos, but a lot of footage from the, uh, operating theater as they were performing surgery, talking about what they're doing, videos, talking about results and. Just being able to watch that person at work, it just made me feel like I'd be in safe hands. And the surgeon and the clinic had a lot of positive reviews, like going back years. So on Google, on Facebook, on Instagram, on if you even if you read up on the comments from people on Instagram posts. And then there's another website called Real Self or True Self. Basically it's it, it's kind of like check-a-trade for cosmetic surgeons. And so there were a lot of third party reviews on there and they were all positive. So I was very happy. And because it was a hospital from a company that I used to work for, it just felt very familiar. So I was fine with that. And yeah, overall, the experience was very positive throughout. I didn't feel unsure or uneasy about anything for a second. And it, it's kind of weird and a little bit unsettling, almost how comfortable I actually felt. So I decided to go ahead with it and self isolated for two weeks prior to the surgery to make sure I didn't catch COVID and everything from then went pretty smoothly. On the day of the procedure uh, you can have nil by mouth, so no food or drink from the night before i was going in for my operation at around 8 am so i needed to be there by 7. the morning was very rushed i got walked into the anesthetic room and knocked out a few seconds later next thing i know I was back in my room i was all bandaged up and the procedure was done i have very very little recollection of that day itself from when i woke up to waking up the next day basically i just have a few snippets that i remember i remember eating I remember being able to answer the nurse's questions about how I was feeling. I remember FaceTiming my family, but that's pretty much it. The specifics of procedure and recovery I'll be talking about in my next episode. And I also will be doing a lot more future content on YouTube, covering this especially because it's not something that that really gets talked about from a male perspective. So I'll be covering that there as well. But yeah overall procedure went smoothly recovery was going very smoothly without any hitches so far and it still is going smoothly i won't say i'm 100 recovered yet i'm back to normal activity i'm back to full range of motion i'm not restricted in movements in any way but scars like this do take a while to fully heal they usually say a year and also you get a lot of post-operative swelling that is still taking some time to go down i've been told to expect another two three months before it goes all the way down but it has dramatically reduced anyway so it's going okay so How did it feel before, during and after? First thing to bear in mind, apart from my family, I didn't tell anyone I was having it before I got it done. I think with COVID requirements, I just wasn't 100% sure it would be going ahead until I was physically there at the hospital and, you know, walking into the anesthetic room. And also, I just wasn't entirely ready to start talking about it, but I knew I wanted it done. So, yeah, the only people I told were family. And, you know, unsurprisingly, that's not something you can hide from them. Working from home meant I didn't have to navigate anything around telling colleagues. And COVID meant I didn't need to tell friends either because I could get it done without seeing anyone during that immediate recovery phase. I already talked about what the consultation was like and what, the, what it was like on the day. As for afterwards, recovery needs a lot of patience and it takes a lot of mental and physical energy. In terms of general cosmetic procedures, it does of course depend on what you're having done, but if you're having your entire torso sliced open and having two kilograms of just skin removed from it, you are going to be reeling from that for a little while. But the way my body shape changed as the swelling was going down and the way my chest contour was looking and how my clothes were fitting, even while swollen, it just, it felt amazing. It still feels amazing. And a lot of the time I'll still look in the mirror and think, is that actually me? Someone who's kind of been so used to just having this extra tissue hanging off of them for a while. And you know, it's weird, the number of ingrained habits that I still try and do surprises me. Before the surgery, when I had a shower, I used to need to lift up You know, some of the fold of skin, just to make sure I'm cleaning myself properly. I'm now three months post procedure. I still find myself trying to do that. I still find myself trying to lift up my abdomen a bit to try and, you know, clean under the skin fold, although there's no skin there. Well, there's no skin fold there anymore. So it's taking some adjustment and it's taking some getting used to, but I am very, very happy I did it. I'll go into a lot, lot more detail about my, about my specific procedure in the next episode, but just, yeah, it's, I was quite cagey about it. I'm very glad I got it done. And it's been a very, very smooth process considering. You know, how big a change it is to my body shape. If you are a man and you are considering any kind of cosmetic procedure, or to be fair, any kind of dramatic or drastic procedure, cosmetic or otherwise, there's a few things to consider and a few things to look out for. I think first thing is to bear in mind that I only have the perspective of me getting it done, so I don't have any reference points for anyone else's experience, and I'm also not qualified to know, treat or be consulted on any specific cosmetic procedures. If you think it's something you want to get done, or if you're not sure if it's right for you, you do need to speak to a professional. I can share my experience. I can share how it's changed my life, but ultimately it's down to you. And if you're not sure, you're best off speaking to someone who's actually qualified to talk about it. So in terms of things to consider, first of all is why are you doing it? It's no one else's place to decide what is the right or wrong reason for you to do something like this, but you need to be comfortable that you're doing it for the right reasons for you. In my case, I knew how much it was affecting my day-to-day life and how I felt about a lot of things. So it was an easy decision. I'd already made peace with most of the other, and I'm using air quotations, most of the other perceived flaws I saw in my body. So I wasn't too worried about starting a cycle of, you know, constantly finding flaws to fixate over. So I was kind of comfortable that this would be the, probably the only thing I'd get done. Also, are you doing it for you? Or are you doing it because you feel pressured to, or because you feel like there's a flaw in you or you're not good enough for someone else or something like that, for what it's worth, aside from my skin issue, I was leading an overall happy, healthy lifestyle. There are some things I wasn't doing because of it, but I wasn't letting it stop me you know completely from living my life. You also need to remember that you can't expect anyone else who hasn't been through something like this to sort of get it or to understand what it feels like. Mostly friends and family will say something like, well, you know, why are you getting it done? We like you as you are. You don't need to do something like this. And it's not a bad thing. It means. I mean, it's, it's more positive than them saying, yeah, finally, I was waiting for you to do that or something like that. But like I said, you have to be confident you're doing it for the right reason for you, no one else is going to know or understand what it feels like to be in your skin or in your body. So you can't expect them to understand why you want to get it done. You just basically need them to be comfortable with supporting you regardless, because recovery is not a one man. It's not a one man process. You do need help. Another thing to consider is of course, cost. Can you afford a procedure like this? You know, it ties in with why you're getting it done. But I think it's important to make sure you're being responsible with your money. Most clinics and hospitals do have finance options. And that's what I did. I split my payment between an upfront payment and monthly installments on 0% finance. I budgeted heavily. I saved enough to be able to pay for the full thing upfront, to be honest. But then I figured if they have a finance option with 0% interest, then I'll just take that. Make sure that you're not overstretching your finances or your budgeting. Especially with something cosmetic, it is much more elective, so. It's not as time sensitive. So don't try and wreck your finances to get something like this done. If if you feel it's right for you, then do it. But from my own experience, I don't think financially I would have wanted to put stress on my finances for the sake of this. You know, I always say you do you, but in this case, genuinely taking on debt or wrecking your credit or risking other things in your life, as great as a procedure may feel, or how much you think it will improve your quality of life. Unless it's stopping you from being able to function or is mentally or physically almost crippling you, try to be responsible and don't be rash. You can also shop around and get multiple clothes to see how different surgeons and how different hospitals have different fee structures. The most expensive isn't always going to be the best. And also don't necessarily go deal hunting for something like this. Go for the one that you feel gives you the service, the professionalism and that reassurance that you want and that you feel safe with. Make sure that the price is good value based on that rather than trying to just go for the cheapest or assuming that the most expensive is the best. Also, depending on what you're having done, I probably wouldn't recommend going abroad. That doesn't mean overseas doctors or medical care is going to be any worse. I don't know. I've never had a procedure done abroad and it will often be cheaper. But if you think about, you know, the follow up and the risk of complications, like in my case, for example, I had follow up appointments at 48 hours, one week, two weeks, four weeks. I do have another one coming up very shortly. And the surgeon's clinic and the hospital are both 20 to 25 minutes drive away. If I do need another appointment or do want any more help? I haven't had any complications and I haven't needed any extra appointments, but If I did need something, I've been given so much reassurance that just call us, book an appointment and, you know, come in. So there's no hassle, no stress. And I feel in very safe hands. You won't really have that if you go abroad. At the very least, you'll have several hours, if not several days wait, and you're not going to have as thorough a follow-up. If you had your procedure abroad and there's something that is an emergency or does require some more immediate attention, you might not be able to get back to the surgeon that you had it with. You might have to go to your local hospital or your local emergency department. And when you're at that point, they're not going to be looking at the aesthetics of your procedure. They're going to be looking at saving your life. So they'll do what they need to do, to deal with the specific emergency in front of them. So hundred percent, honestly, I would say stay local, stay in the same country, if you can. Another thing to consider is how you're going to make a procedure like this and the recovery fit into your life. There's never going to be a convenient time for this kind of upheaval, but there will be times that align better than others. If you have a target date, for example, like say you want to get it done before you're getting married. That's just a hypothetical one, you know, you'll want to aim to have your surgery probably three, four months beforehand. So you allow yourself time to recover, deal with any complications and a lot of the swelling or, or whatever acute healing and recovery that needs to happen can be taken care of by that point. Can you take the time off work or will it affect your performance or mobility in any way? I work from home in a desk job, so there were no issues around that. And I was actually back to work in a week and a half with the, with the procedure I had, you can't drive until after six weeks. And until you feel comfortable being able to perform an emergency stop. If you do a physical job, you might find it'll take eight or nine weeks to get back to the performance you were at before you, before your procedure, because of where the scar placement is on my chest. I found that the range of motion in my arms reaching overhead was badly restricted or was heavily restricted for about nine or 10 weeks. And so I only just relatively recently started being able to reach my arms overhead comfortably and easily and without any kind of resistance. So you need to bear that in mind. If you need to drive to work, you'd need to either make alternative arrangements or take more time off and what else is going on in your life that might cause issues. If you're mobile and able to walk and not in too much pain or discomfort, then most things that don't involve a lot of physical exertion, you'll be able to get back to those pretty quickly, but you need to think about pretty much every aspect of every day beforehand. If I was still working as a personal trainer, for example, there's zero chance I'd have been able to get this done. If I was working in an office, I probably wouldn't have been able to get this done either. Just trying to sort out travel to and from the office would have been tricky, as well as navigating, taking time off or short-term notice for follow-up appointments. You also, like in my case, I needed a few things to align. For me, it was, I was in the right job and right work environment because I was entirely remote and working from home. It was the right time of year. I did it in March, so it wasn't freezing cold and it also wasn't hot. So it just, you feel comfortable during recovery. You don't want to be sitting there shivering and you don't want to be, because you have to wear the support garment afterwards. You do not want to be wearing that extra sticky layer of clothing when it's warm out. I definitely wouldn't have wanted to get this done in summer. And also consider, I didn't have any other sort of major events or upheaval in my life that was going to sort of pop up during my recovery. And then of course, financially, I, know I had budgeted for it and I probably over budgeted for it a little bit. So that worked out quite nicely. Another thing to consider is how will your life be different afterwards? This ties in with doing it for the right reasons, but it's important to think about how, how your life will change if you get a cosmetic procedure done. For me, I might start swimming. I have not gone swimming since I was five or six. I I haven't started swimming yet because my scars are still healing, but when they are healed, I might consider swimming again. When I used to run, I used to sometimes try and keep one hand on my stomach or keep a hand on my chest, just to stop the skin from kind of jiggling around or flapping around. I don't need to do that anymore. I've never been scuba diving because I was always uncomfortable with how my body would look in a wetsuit or in any kind of tight-fitting clothing. So that's something that's on my bucket list now as well. The clothes I'm wearing fit me much better. They're actually the right size. I'm not constantly in baggy clothes that are probably two sizes too big. I feel more confident. I'm still recovering, but I can move more freely. I can exercise more dynamically without thinking about the looser tissue swinging around. So I feel like it's made a huge difference and I've barely even started making the most of it yet. What about you? Are you doing it for you or to make someone else happy? How do you think you'll feel afterwards? What will you be doing different that you're not doing now? Or what will you be doing that you're not doing now? It's important to think about those things. Otherwise you'll go through this big hype of getting it done, then wake up afterwards and then be like, okay, now what? In which case you've had a very expensive procedure that might well have been a bit of a waste if you don't really know what you're going to be doing or how it's going to change your life or what you'll be doing different afterwards, then. Another one which I've kind of touched on is when will enough be enough? It can be easy after having one procedure to start thinking about others as well. When you see a change in one part of your body, and that can make you think about how you might want to change or improve other parts. You need to have some kind of idea of where you'll be setting you know, a sort of hard stop and you know, maybe ask someone else to hold you accountable. My surgeon actually did that really well for me. He reminded me what my body has been through. It kind of added that realistic expectation that cosmetic procedure can lead to good results, but with something like the idea of you know, trying to look perfect from it is rare to impossible. And I just need to manage my own expectations. In your case with whatever procedure or procedures you're thinking about, you need to know at what point enough will be enough. And it does help to have someone holding you to that. Next, I want to talk about things to look for in a surgeon and, and a lot of this applies to both men and women. But I think with most uh, reading and knowledge out there being targeted at Women more, which makes sense given that 93% of procedures in the UK in 2021 were women. I wanted to share a bit more about what I went through or the, the steps I went through as a man. It's important to remember no matter where you go, it's likely to be expensive or at least a substantial investment, and it will typically be permanent. It'll probably have a life changing impact on mental and physical health and on your life as a whole. So we want to make sure that we get it right. And the first thing I would always, always say is to make sure that you manage your own expectations and if you're expecting perfect results, as in making it look completely natural, as if you've never had anything done before, it's very, very unlikely if you go in for a procedure with those expectations that you'll ever be happy with the results. My surgeon was great. He talked about how it's unlikely I'll have perfect symmetry in my chest. We talked about scar positioning. We talked about the healing process, what the scars might look like when they're healed and how my body shape or the contours of my body will look. So with that, if your surgeon is giving you super high hopes and setting your expectations sky high, then that's probably going to be a bit of a red flag. You want someone that's going to, you know, keep you grounded and be realistic in what they think they can achieve with you. With that, you also want to make sure that when you're having your consultations, they're being consultative and not salesy. Like I said, with my procedure, I had to reach out to the clinic myself after the second consultation and ask them to take payment and book me in. So at no point were they ever pressuring me or even been trying to sell to me. It had to be 100% driven by me. Look at reviews on multiple sites. So you've got, if the clinic's on Google Maps, you've got Google reviews and make sure that you're looking for fake reviews and that, or just, you know. Be mindful that some reviews might be fake. If that clinic's on Trustpilot, have a look at them as well. Look at comments on social media. So a lot of the time, if someone's not provided a good service, then on their Instagram page, for example, you know, people that have been on the receiving end of that might leave comments on their posts. So look out for those as well. And then also look at third party websites like True Self or Real Self, where you can find some independent reviews. Look at past work. So ideally find someone that specializes in the procedure that you're having done. Look at their before and afters. With men, it's a lot harder because there's nowhere near as many before and afters for men as there are for women. So you don't have as much of a luxury in the area, but the more information you can gather about past work and how those results have looked, the the more informed you'll be about that surgeon and the better it is. Just remember that just because someone doesn't have a before and after to show you, that doesn't mean automatically that they're not going to be able to do a good job. Look at their reputation, look at the qualifications and credentials, think about how you heard of them. My surgeon, of course, worked at a hospital that I had had inquired with because I worked for that company. So it was a very easy uh, referral for me. And he's also the vice president of the, I'm going to say again, the British, I can't even remember what it was, the British Association of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons. So he was a VP there. He was very open and transparent about procedures and results on social media. So again, like I said, I felt in very safe hands. Don't pay a deposit or don't commit to anything during your consultations. Don't let yourself get pressured. Don't let yourself feel emotional. Always keep your guard up and say that you're going to think it over and come back later on. Don't let them take your money while you're there. So you can get out, give it some logical thought because you don't want to make an it, it's a big investment and you don't want to make, you don't want to do it off of impulse. So you need to give yourself that kind of cooling off time to really, really think about it once you have all the information you think you need. Think about what is included. So. In my case, it was obviously the pre-operative consultations, the post-operative care, and I have full appointments for the next 12 months and beyond if necessary. There are some terms and conditions attached to that, but generally most scars are fully healed by 12 months. So that's kind of the point where they say, okay, if you do need anything else, we can help you, but that's roughly where we think you won't need us anymore. But in that time I can have as many consultations or appointments as I think I need. Get multiple opinions if you can, you do run the risk of information overload, but it's important that you see which clinics and surgeons and setups you feel most comfortable with and which you feel have understood you and what you're looking for the most, and also think about what kind of support you're being offered for recovery. I also talked about going abroad and it is an option and it's often a cheaper option. And like I said, I don't doubt the abilities at all of overseas medical care or overseas surgeons but I'm just thinking more in terms of logistics around follow-ups and support recovery and any complications. The peace of mind I had of just being a 20, 25 minute drive from the clinic and from the hospital and knowing that I could just call them up and book myself in, it was just so much more calming. And also being able to get that face-to-face communication, building rapport with the surgeon and the clinic beforehand, it plays a huge part in feeling at ease going into a procedure like this. So wrapping all this up, I gave quite a lot of general advice here because a lot of it, when you when you when when it comes down to it, is specific to the procedure that you're looking at getting done. Yeah. The planning and consideration for an abdominoplasty will be different to a combined abdominoplasty and gynecomastica procedure, which will be different to a rhinoplasty, which will, of course, be different to a hair transplant. So there are very specific individual things to consider with each of those. But there are five key things to bear in mind, which I've already covered, but I'll just sum them up again. Number one is make sure that you are doing it for the right reasons, not because you feel like you need to, or because you feel like it'll make you feel more... I guess, worthy for lack of a better word, do your homework. Don't go for the cheapest. And remember that the most expensive doesn't always mean the best. You have to find the surgeon that you feel most comfortable going ahead with, who isn't just after your money budget responsibly. So you're not stretching your finances. Be sensible, be firm with your budgeting. It can be too easy for an unethical third party to get to your emotions and convince you to spend beyond your means for this. So just bear that in mind. There will never be a perfect or convenient time to get a major procedure done. You kind of have to pick the best or most convenient time for you and make other things fit in around it rather than trying to fit it into your current life. And like I already said, don't expect other people to fully understand why you want it done. You know, Only people who've had something like this done and who've had a positive experience will appreciate what it feels like to kind of be stuck in a body that you don't feel represents your true self in some way. But that's okay. They don't have to understand. You do, however, need their support Because recovery from major procedures is not something you want to try and do on your own. You need help, you need support, you need their backing. So even if they don't understand why you want it done, you want to make sure that they've got your back. So that's pretty much it for this episode. Next up, I'll be doing a dedicated episode, just talking through my own whole experience in a lot more detail. But if you have any questions, want to talk through anything, you can find me in the usual channels. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. As a one-man army, I really could do with all the help I can get, and you would be doing me a huge favour if you could leave a review or a rating to help me get the word out. You won't just be helping me, you might help other men show themselves some kindness and appreciate their bodies more in the process too. Thanks again.